Well, good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Isn't it hard to believe that Christmas is less than two weeks away, and we are so excited about it. We're excited about that family matinee uh, movie this coming Saturday. We're excited about the uh, 100 Christmas dinners that we'll be delivering this coming Saturday. And I think we've got all the drivers in place, but we do need more food. And we encourage you to go online and see how you can participate in that. And Christmas Eve, whether you join us on-site or online, and we know it's going to fill up on-site, so make sure that you register early, and we are excited about that. A shout out, welcome to our many guests from across Ottawa, across Canada, and around the world, and welcome to our church family that have joined online, and it's great to see so many of you here on site, main level, balcony, and in the risers. How many of you people are ready for God's Word? Come on, how many people are ready for God's Word? Yeah. Well, we're in a six-part sermon series that we're calling Christmas Has a Name. And we're taking six Sundays to explore the amazing names of Jesus that Isaiah, under the inspiration of Holy Spirit, saw some 700 years before Jesus came as a baby in a manger. Our text is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born. I mean, there's the cradle. To us, a son is given. There's the cross. And the government will be on his shoulders. There's the crown. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The final name that we'll be looking at is from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where Jesus is declared as God with us, or the ancient name Emmanuel. Well, today, for a few moments, I want to take some time to explore the tricky name and the name that's a little hard to figure out how it fits in, where Isaiah declares Jesus to be our everlasting Father. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to camp on for a couple of moments is what does everlasting Father actually mean? What, what does it mean? Well, there's three things I want to share with you very quickly. Number one, I want you to note that Isaiah was not thinking in Trinitarian terms at this time. It's not like Isaiah was going, hmm, let's talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity, the three in one. And it's certainly not like he was saying that, that Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, wants to push the first member of the Trinity aside, the Father, and, and take his place. This is not about the Trinity. The reality is that when we look at it, we look at it from, from a New Testament angle. We are looking back. We are looking from the other side of the Old Testament. And it certainly is not a teaching of Isaiah on oneness. It's not a teaching on the Trinity. I'm going to show you in a couple of moments what I believe Isaiah meant under inspiration of Holy Spirit when he declared Jesus to be the everlasting Father. Second thing, number two, the Hebrew phrase that's been translated in the New International Version, everlasting father comes from a Hebrew word, a hyphenated Hebrew word. And the hyphenated Hebrew word is abiad. And it literally means, if you transliterate it, is father of eternity. We learned last week that the dominant name, the prominent name in the ancient Hebrew is first, I know, in the New International Version, everlasting father. But the dominant word father in the ancient Hebrew, is mentioned first because it's the dominant. It's the prominent. And everlasting is the adjective that describes the dominant. It means father of eternity. 
I started to study the ancient word that's been translated eternity, and this is what it means, unending, unceasing, perpetual. It's never ending. It's unceasing. It is perpetual. And so the third thing I want to share with you is what I believe What Isaiah was saying here, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus is declared as a father forever. He's declared as a father forever. And so with that introduction in mind, I want to take you to number two, and I want to answer the question this morning, why? Why would Isaiah say this? Why would Isaiah say that Jesus is the everlasting father when we know that Jesus is the second member of the Trinity. We know that the Father is the first person in the Trinity, and the Son, Jesus, is the second person in the Trinity. So why, 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 under inspiration of Holy Spirit, would Isaiah declare that Jesus, as he's looking ahead some 700 years, is everlasting Father? I think this morning, as I unpack this, I think it's going to come together, and we need to start, if we could, with some geographics. And so I want to I take you way back to like the end of the 8th century B.C. and leaning into the 7th century B.C. And in those days, there was a kingdom that was united. And there was 12 tribes in the kingdom. And you might remember that at one time, David was the king. And it was a united kingdom. And then after David, there was Solomon. And it was a united kingdom. But after Solomon the kingdom actually divided, and it divided into two. And so to the north, you've got Israel, and uh, I am actually geographically sound in the auditorium today because that actually is the real north, and you've got Israel in the north, and north Israel has 10 tribes in it, and then way down in the south, you got Judah, and there's two tribes there. There's the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. We've got Judah in the south and Israel in the north. And it's a divided kingdom. Now, if you're taking notes, in the south is Judah. And the king of Judah, when Isaiah spoke these words, that Jesus is our everlasting father, was a king named Ahaz. A-H-A-Z. Just so I know you're awake, everybody lift your voice and say Ahaz. One, two, three. Ahaz. He's the king in Judah at the time that Isaiah spoke these words. And then in the north, you've got Israel. That's 10 tribes, two tribes in Judah. You got the king, you've got Ahaz. And in the north is Israel. And the king in the north at the time that Isaiah spoke these words is a guy named Pekah, King Pekah. Can we say the name Pekah together? One, two, three, Pekah. 12 tribes divided, two in the south, Judah, Ten in the north, Israel. We got King Ahaz, and we got King Pekah. Now, to the northeast, if you will, of Israel is a, is a nation, and it's called Aram, or Syria, A-R-A-M, or it's also called Syria. And at the time that Isaiah spoke these words, the king was a guy named Raisin. I mean, he was just a dried-up grape, if you will. And his name is Raisin. And he's the king in Aram. He's the king in Syria at that time. So you got, you got King Ahaz in Judah. You got King Pekah in Israel and in Aram. And in Syria, you got King Raisin. And they're just a little farther away from Aram is Assyria, Assyria. And the Assyrians had a king. And his name was Tiglath 
Palacer. No, that's a mouthful. Let's say it together. Tiglath Palacer. One, two, three. Tiglath Palacer. Let me be very technical. He's actually Tiglath Palacer III, not to be confused with Tiglath Palacer II, and not to be confused with Tiglath Palacer I. He is Tiglath Palacer III. And so let's put it together. We've got Israel, it's a divided kingdom. And then and, and you got you got you got a raid in the south, you got you got Judah, and, and the capital of Judah is Jerusalem. Now this is important. Isaiah lived in Jerusalem at this time, and he's in Judah, and he's prophesying in, in, in Israel, in Jerusalem at the time, and their king is King Ahaz. And then to the north, you got Israel. And, 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 and their, their king in, in the north of Israel is, is Pekah. And then to, to a little bit to the northeast is Aram or Syria. And, and, and their king is King Rasin. And then, then, you got, then, you got, then you got way up here, you've got Assyria. And their king is Tiglath-Pileser III. Now, in those days, sometimes nations would have backroom meetings. And they would try to overtake Judah because they wanted to get the capital, Jerusalem. And there was a backroom meeting that went on between Israel, between the king of Israel, Pekah, and the king of Aram, or Syria, King Rasin. And they, they, they got together and said, let's, let's do a little allegiance. Let's, let's bond together. Let's, let's go in here. Let's try to take over Judah. Let's, let's get the capital, Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to show you a scripture verse that shows us this. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. Look at the screen. When Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah. Now, you already know that because I shared that with you. King Rasin of Aram. Yeah, I already told you his name. And Pekah, the son of Ramallah, the king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. And so these two kings, the king of Israel, Pekah, and the king of Aram, or Syria, Rasin said, let's get together. And let's all go and let's try and let's try to attack Judah. Let's try to take over. Let's try to take over Jerusalem. Now, now look at the screen. Because the Bible says here that, 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 that they, they tried, they marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overcome it. They couldn't defeat it. Now, here's what happened. Isaiah the prophet goes... And he goes right to the king, Ahaz, and said, relax. I'm giving you the real loose translation. Everything is going to be all right. He said, Aram and, 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 and the king of Israel and the king of, of Syria are going to come together. They're going to try to take over. But relax. Everything's going to be all right. And just so you know, everything's going to be all right. God wants to give you a sign. And so the king, Ahaz, he see, what you need to understand, many of the kings in Judah and many of the kings in Israel weren't, weren't always godly, didn't always look to God. There were some good kings, but, but often they were ungodly kings, and Ahaz was an ungodly king. In fact, he was so ungodly that when he was buried, he should have been buried with the kings, but he was buried with his ancestors, not with the kings. And he got all spiritual on Isaiah and said, I don't want a sign. And Isaiah is saying, but God wants to give you a sign. I don't want a sign. And so Isaiah says to Ahaz, well, do what you want, but God's going to give you a sign. And there's going to be a child that's going to be born. A baby is going to be born. And it's going to be a sign to you. 
It's going to be a sign to you that everything's going to be all right. And in fact, in the days of Ahaz, a son was born, a child was born. And Bible scholars debate who the child was. Some say it was a son of prophet Isaiah. And others say it was a son of the prophet or son of the king Ahaz. And not really sure where that settles, but a son was born. But here's what happened. King Ahaz, instead of receiving the sign, instead of receiving the confirmation of the son that was born that Isaiah spoke about. You know what he did? He reached out to the enemy. He reached out to the Assyrians. And he said to the king of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser III, he said, would you come on in and would you help me? And would you show up and help me and protect me from Aram and protect me from Israel. Would you just come on in and take care of everything? Now, let me show you where this went down. It's all going to come together in a moment. Let me show you 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 7. Because to understand this prophetic word, you got to understand the historical context from the book of Kings. 2 Kings 16, verse 7. Ahaz, remember the king of Judah, sent messengers to say to Tiglath-Pileser III, the king of of Assyria. Now watch this. Don't miss it. I am your servant and vassal. Now you might wonder what is a vassal? A vassal is someone that is a subordinate. A vassal is someone that comes under the dominance, the authority of another person. Now I started to study that in the ancient Hebrew and the ancient Hebrew doesn't say, doesn't say that Ahaz said to, to Tiglath-Pileser, I'm your servant and vassal. It actually reads, now watch this, it's gonna come together. Ahaz came and gave a message to Tiglath-Pileser and said, I'm your servant and son. Now, in our culture, when I say father, I think of my dad. But in that culture, they often viewed their king or the ruler of the nation as a father. Now that's not totally foreign to us because when Canada was confederated, remember the fathers of confederation gathered in Charlottetown, PEI, and we call them the fathers of confederation. And in that culture, in the Hebrew culture, people would look to their king or their ruler as a father. Now don't miss it. Let me, let me put it back on the screen. Ahaz sent messengers to say to Tiglath-Pileser, the king of Assyria, I'm your servant. I'm your son. In other words, he's saying, you're my father. You're my dad. Come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Aram and of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Please come in, Tiglath-Pileser. Come in and protect me from, from the king of Israel and the, the king of race. And come in and, and protect me because that's what a father does. A father protects but when you read the book of Kings, here's what actually happened. I mean, this is the enemy. This is the Assyrian army. And God looked at Ahaz and thought, you're going to reject the sign that I'm giving you? And because you're rejecting the sign that I'm giving you, I'm going to let the Assyrians come in. And so Tiglath-Pileser comes in, and he just ransacks and takes over Aram and Syria. And he goes into Israel. And he just ransacks all of them. And he pushes into Jerusalem. And he pushes into, into that area there. And he, and, and he, and he just takes over. And, and all of a sudden, all of God's people in Judah are now under the dominance 
under the rule and their vassals, their subordinate to the enemy, to Tiglath-Pileser. Why? Because King Ahaz, instead of looking to God as his father to protect them, instead of receiving the sign of a son to be born, he looked to the enemy and said, I want you to be my father. I want you to protect me. Now, church, it's in that context that I, Isaiah spoke these words. Oh, put it on the screen, verse 6 and verse 7. Isaiah chapter, it's going to come together. Because, because here's Isaiah, who knows what is going on with Assyria and Tiglath-Pileser and Aram and, and Israel and, and, and Judah. And in that context, he looks ahead some 700 years. For to us, a child is born. He's not talking about the son of, of, of Isaiah. He's not talking about the son of Ahaz. He's not talking about a son that is born in that day to be a confirmation to Ahaz that everything's going to be all right. He, he, he understood that in that culture, kings came and kings went. And most of the kings were, were ungodly. Only a few of the kings were godly. But under inspiration of Holy Spirit, I love this, Isaiah prophetically looks into the future. And he begins to see Jesus, who's, who's not an earthly king, church. He began to see Jesus, who is an eternal king. He began to see Jesus, who's the king of kings. For to us, a child is born. To us, the son is given. And the government's going to be on his shoulder. And he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Look at verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He's going to reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with righteousness and justice from that time on and forever and ever and ever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. You see, church, in contrast to King Ahaz and Judah looking to Assyria to be their daddy, to be their father. I'm looking to the king of, of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser. I'm looking to the enemy. I'm asking you to be my father. Isaiah says, there's coming one who's not an ungodly king. He's the very son of God. Come on, I'm preaching now. He's the king of kings. He's Jesus. He's the eternal father. And in case we think this is an isolation, let me read you Isaiah 22, 20, and 21. In that day, I will summon my servant, Alakim, the son of Hilkiah. Alakim, I'll clothe him with your robe, fasten your sash around him, hand your authority over to him, and he will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah because in that day they looked to the ruler, the king of the nation, as their father. And here, church, don't miss it. Don't miss it. King Ahaz, instead of taking the sign that the prophet Isaiah spoke about, he looked to the father, the enemy. And church, many people today have pushed God away and they've stopped looking at God as their father. Let me read to you John chapter 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks the native language. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. And many people in 2020 are, are putting their trust not in God, not looking to God. They're looking 
looking elsewhere. And I'm here to declare to you that the liar, the father of lies has saved, but he is defeated. And God is calling his church to look to the everlasting father, Jesus, who will never let us down. And so church, with that in mind, I want you to write this in your notes. Jesus reveals to us when he came as the baby in the manger. And he walked for those years on planet earth. He reveals to us the forever fatherly heart of God. And I want to declare to you today that everlasting father, when Isaiah said this, is a descriptive term about the nature of the child king to come. Now, our time is going real quick, so I'm going I'm to pick it up, and I'm going to speak really fast. You remember the old ancient record players and the old albums? If you, you put it on higher speed, it sounded like the chipmunks. I'm going to sound like a chipmunk for a while. And I'm going to read these verses really quick. John chapter 1, verse 1 down to verse 3 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has not been made. Verse 14, the Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, been made. Church, I want to declare to you today, I want to declare to you today that Jesus, when he came to earth, revealed to us the father heart of God. When he came on earth, Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 17, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Back in the Old Testament, those kings that stop looking to God, everything is falling apart. And Ahaz looks to the enemy to be the father. But I'm glad to say that Jesus is our everlasting father. And when your life is falling apart, he can hold your life together. In the midst of a pandemic, and we're nervous about the economy, and we're nervous about the days together, he's got us in the palm of his hands. Come on, Woodville. He He's the everlasting father. John was an elderly man, and he's on the island of Patmos. Let me read Revelation 1, verse 8, 17, and 18. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. My friends, I want you to know what Jesus was, he is today. And what he is, he will be. And what he will be, he has always been. Why? Because he's the everlasting father and he doesn't change. And so John teaches that in, in Revelation 1. Let me take you to John 10, 37 and 38. So do not believe me unless I do the works of my father. Jesus said this, but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I'm in the father. And then in John chapter 14, verse seven down to verse 10, Jesus talks to Philip. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. If you really know me, you'll know my father as well. From now on, you don't know him. You, you, don't, you do know him and you've seen him. And Philip said, Lord, 
show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered in verse 9, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. And so church, let's not miss it today. When Isaiah said that Jesus is the everlasting Father, he's comparing it to Ahaz, who looks to the Assyrian king, the, the liar, the Assyrian king who comes in and takes over, the Assyrian king that messes everything up. And he said, there's a king coming someday. And he's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. And he's God. And he's everlasting. He always has been. And he always will be. He was in your yesterday. And he's in your today. And he's in your tomorrow. He never neglects you or forgets you. He's always with you. Come on, somebody put their hands together and celebrate our Jesus. And so as I put this together, I want to take you to number three. How? How do we see Jesus in this? How can we see Jesus? What's the application to us? In church this morning, if you take these final four points and you apply them to your life, I promise you, you will never be the same again. And the first thing I want to show you, number one, what does he do? He pardons us. He pardons us. And I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 down to verse 15, and these are fatherly words, and they're fatherly words that talk about Jesus, and I'm going to read them real quick, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. Now, church, before I read verse 13, look at the screen. I want you to notice that verse 13 quotes from Isaiah chapter 8. And obviously, Isaiah chapter 8 comes before Isaiah chapter 9. We know that's the obvious. And it says, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I. And the children God has given me, I will put my trust in him. Now let's, let's pull it together here, church. We got Israel in the north. And we got, we got Judah in the south. And the king of, of Israel is, is, is this guy named King Pekah. And the king of, of, of Judah in the south is King Ahaz. And, and, and Isaiah comes to him and said, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. The king of, of Israel and the king of, of Aram is going to come and surround you. But they're not going to overpower you. And just so you know, I'm, God's going to give you a sign. And he rejects the sign. And he reaches out to, to, to the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser and Tiglath-Pileser deceives him. He deceives him. He, he is an illustration of, of, of the devil, the father of lies and he comes in and he takes over. Why? Why? Why did everything fall apart for King Ahaz and for Judah? I'll tell you why. Because they didn't put their trust in God. 
And I want to declare to the house today, in the midst of a pandemic, don't put your trust in your bank account. Don't put your trust in your retirement fund. Don't put your trust in earthly things. Put your trust in the eternal one. And his name is Jesus. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Look at verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. I love this. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And just like the king of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser comes in and messes everything up. And messes everything up. And breaks everything down. And puts Israel under their bondage and puts Israel under their domination. I say it's a someday there's a king who's coming who's not like the ungodly kings that you know. He's the very son of God and he's going to go to a cross for you and he's going to clean up the mess of your sin and the Romans are going to kill him and they're going to put him in a grave, but he's not going to stay in the grave. He's going to free you from your sin. Why? Because he is the everlasting father. Why? Because he is the eternal king. Why did Jesus come to seek and save the lost? Mission completed when he died for us. Since come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. He pardoned us so that he could adopt us into his family. Now, if you read Hebrews chapter 2 again, those are fatherly words. It talks about that we are family. We are brothers and sisters. Romans 8, 15. Paul says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. It's Aramaic, but it comes from the Hebrew word, Ab. And I want to declare to you that Jesus is not the father of the nation. Jesus is the father of his church. Jesus is the everlasting father. He is illustrating the characteristics of a father. He's not trying to take the place of God the Father in the Trinity. No, church, it's not a Trinitarian teaching. It is really saying that he is an illustration of the character. And church, he pardons us, so he adopts us into the family. And we are family. Come on, Woodville, we are family. But then there's number two. Before I get to that, let me read Ephesians 1, 3 to 5, if I could. I don't want to miss these verses. Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and as well. He pardons us so he can choose us and adopt us into his family. But then there's number two. He provides for us. And in that ancient culture, people in a nation would look to their ruler to provide for them, to take care of them. And I've already said it. We don't look to any. It's in God we trust. He is our provider. 
The economy may not be good and your bank account may not be as fat and your job may not be as secure and you're worried about the future, but he's got us in the palm of his hand. When your life is falling apart and pandemic, we're in the midst. Jesus is still king. He still is Lord. He still is the everlasting father and he will provide for us. Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 26. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about what your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food, the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You see, church, I'm realizing as I read Isaiah's words, and all the people in that day were looking to their king to protect them, looking to their king to provide for them, looking to their king to take care of them. We don't look to man. We look to Jesus. He is our provider. He will take care of. Come on, give a clap offering, a praise to our Lord. He will. He will provide. Number one, he pardons us. Number two, he provides for us. Number three, he protects us. He covers us. He protects us. You see, many people are emailing me and calling me and saying, Mark, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? I don't think it is. But I do believe that prophecy is linear. And I believe all that is happening on planet Earth is another step leading towards the return of Jesus Christ. I am not a prophet, but I will boldly say we could be the generation that experiences the rapture of the church. Jesus could come back for his church in our generation. So much is happening around the world. Everything is pointing towards the return of Jesus. Church, let's not fall for the mistake of King Ahaz and look to the devil to meet our needs. He's the father of lies. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a killer. He's a destroyer. He wants to mess up your marriage. He wants to mess up your family. He wants to mess up the church. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is king and he's coming back someday. He protects us. First Peter one, three to five. Praise be to the God, father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith and shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation is ready to be revealed in the last. Some of you are freaking out. Some of you are so worried. Some of you watching on line right now, some of you on site, some of you up in the balcony or in the risers, you got fear and you're in panic mode and anxiety is taking over. Get it in your spirit today. God will protect us in this pandemic. That doesn't mean we take off our mask and, and we do all the things that we do church. What it does mean, we trust God. He loves us. He's for us. He will keep us. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. He he is our protector. Amen. He doesn't just pardon us. He doesn't just provide for us. He doesn't just protect us. But then there's number four. Lastly, he praises us. That doesn't mean he worships us. It means that he tells us what we need to hear. It means that he speaks words of affirmation, words of approval, 
words of acceptance. It means that he celebrates us. He doesn't tolerate us. When Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened. Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, is getting baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. And then the heavens opened. And the first member of the Trinity, God the Father, spoke and said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And we learn in the Gospel of John that the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, descended on the second member of the Trinity, Jesus. And I'm telling you, church, if God the Father spoke words that Jesus needed to hear, God the Father speaks words over our life. My favorite verse is Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. I got a word for you today. He is singing over you and his voice sounds good and he wants to tell you he loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. He is on your side and he is here to keep us, guard us, provide for us. Why? Because Jesus is the everlasting father. King Ahaz made a big mistake when he reached out to the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser and Tiglath-Pileser comes in and takes over and pushes away Ram and pushes away Israel and pushes into Judah and pushes into Jerusalem. Why? Because King Ahaz looked to an earthly king to be his father. In church, let's never make that mistake. Let's look to Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who's the bright in the morning star. He's the sweet rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valley. He's the alpha and the omega. He was and is and always will be. He cannot be dethroned. He cannot be, he cannot be impeached. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. He's the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He is the God with us. Put your hands together and celebrate our Jesus today. Amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet and Pastor Brad and team, if you would come, every head is bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. And whether you're on site or you're watching online, my question for you is if today was the day that you died, that you stepped into eternity, if today was the day that the sky unfolded and Jesus, the everlasting Father, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace came back. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Everyone standing in this auditorium, anyone in the overflow room, all of you who are watching online, do you know that you're ready? Have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior? If you've never done that, I want to lead you in this prayer this morning, and we're going to join you as you pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. Be the center of my life. I declare you today 
as my Savior and my Lord. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes. Could we celebrate salvations? Come on. Can we celebrate salvations? I believe that there's people right here in this auditorium, people who are watching online, that you made a decision for Jesus today, and you made the best decision of your life. If you're here on site in a couple of moments, on your way out, at the exit points, there's tables, and there's some friendly people there. We got a Bible for you. It's free. We just want to give you the Bible and start reading, and a great place to start is in the New Testament. There's a book in there called John. Start reading the Gospel of John. And if you don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church, join us in the journey, and they can tell you how we can help you in your faith journey. And if you're watching online from somewhere across Canada or somewhere around the world, reach out to us. We will reach back to you, and we're going to help you find a life-giving, Bible-believing church in your area. In a couple of moments, I'm going to pray for you. But, Pastor, we just want to put all the focus on Jesus. I want you to sing just like you did in that first that part of that song. We're just going to lift our hands. I'm going to put all the focus, all the attention on, on Jesus, on Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's God with us. And I want to invite you this morning. Just feel free to lift your hands and just feel free to worship as Pastor Brad and the worship team sing. And we're just going to give all the glory, all the glory, all the glory glory to him. We're not looking to the father of lies. We're looking to the father of truth. Amen. And so let's just worship together. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Your friend. 
of moments, I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that Jesus, the everlasting Father, would be the one who provides for you, the one that protects you, the one that sings over you. We can trust him today. Whatever we're walking through, whatever we're facing, we can trust him. And before I pray, I want to one more time thank all of our first-time guests. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad that you came. And if you're a first-time guest on your way out, drop by a table at an exit point. We have a gift for you. It's our way of saying thank you for coming. And if you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, drop by one of those tables as well. We got that Bible for you, a little booklet for you. And we want to help you in your new faith journey. Drop by tables in the lobby. Get more of those invitations for Christmas Eve. And as I shared, it's filling up quickly. And we encourage you to register early if you're going to join us on site. And we're excited. We're having three gatherings, two, four, and six, and overflow room as well. And we're really pumped about that. And next Saturday, have the family movie matinee. Spread the word. And we are so excited about that. Many of you have come this morning ready to worship and giving of your tithes and offerings. Many give by their choice online. But if you've chosen to give on site on your way out this morning, the ushers are there to serve you. And we have debit machines in the lobby and debit machines up in the balcony lobby as well. And uh, we want to make you aware of that. And if you're here today and you'd like someone to personally pray for you, we love to have those opportunities. And after the auditorium exits, I want you to feel free to come and stand on one of these lines at the front. And there's going to be some prayer workers, some altar workers that will be at the front ready to pray for you. And we'll follow all the, the distancing guidelines, but we want to pray for you. And lastly, it was shared last Sunday, Pastor Marvin's resignation. And we're going to miss him and Esther and their family. And on the last Sunday of this month, we're going to have some moments of honor in the service. And even if you go to our church website, you'll see it very easily. You can, you can click on a button there where you could fill out kind of like a, a book of honor where you can share some words to them. And you're welcome to do that. We encourage you to do that. But can I pray for you today? Father God, I thank you for everyone who has joined us on site or online. And I pray, God, that these powerful words that Isaiah declared under inspiration of Holy Spirit, that you, Jesus, are the everlasting Father. God, even though it's a little confusing, Lord, as we see the context, we begin to understand. And I pray, Jesus, that everyone in this place, on site, everyone is watching online, that we would not put our trust on earth. We put our trust in heaven. And we put our trust in you, knowing just like a king in those days would be a father to the nation. You, Jesus, take care of us. You're our provider. You're our protector. And you are praising over us. And you've pardoned us. And we're in your family. And everything's going to be all right. So God, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of such challenging days, help us, God, not to look down, but to look up and know that you are holding us together. And you are still on a throne. And you, you will always take care of us. And I pray, Jesus, that that would flood us with hope. We pray, God, that you would just go with each one. Give us an amazing week. Give us an amazing week. And I pray your blessing on everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, Evelyn and I love you so much. And here's your virtual hug. And God bless you. Have a great day. If you'd like prayer, feel free to come to the front after the building exits.